So since he mentioned uh, my honeydew, somebody, somebody asked me, just asked me, how long have I been married someone? Not long enough. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. So, uh, we have a friend, uh, Avaro, um, uh, Avaro and Pat, uh, Patricia are from Brazil and they have come to India. They do a bit, they have a business. Uh, I'm on business visa, a 10-year business visa. I deliver credits for U.S. universities and uh, learning experiences for community leaders and people you come and we'll help you with a community learning experience. <laughs> Very fun. So, um, uh, Alvaro uh, knew Portuguese, Spanish, German, and uh, French. When he came to India, the teachers couldn't teach him Hindi until because they did it from English to Hindi. So, in India, he learned English, okay? So, Portuguese, Spanish, French, German learned English so he could learn Hindi and then uh, Urdu, which is uh, like the, the version of Hindi that uh, Muslims use. And then he moved to Kashmir, so he learned Kashmiri near the Pakistan border, a dialect there. So obviously he's got some languages in his head, but remember English is his fifth language. So Linda knows that I like to ask, I ask people to tell me, ask how long we've been married. And um, so she comes down to breakfast uh, the, the next day, and we're at breakfast table, and she says, Alvaro, how long have you been married? And he goes, long enough. <laughs> <laughs> and Patricia, she's beating on him like, no, no, no. So, so anyway, that's good. Guys, I'm really glad to uh, be here. Oh, good. Oh. I'm wired, man. So, mm, I shared with the congregation this morning that I am very grateful to be here, and I do find uh, it really messed me up in the early service, but I really lost it. I, I just, it really amazes me. I'm grateful for you as a congregation. Um, when you have the orchestra, when, when you guys sing, when we're together, uh, for me, uh, a large Sunday morning is maybe eight or nine people as we meet in homes and different things. And uh, we, we serve and interact with what we call the privileged and the unprivileged, the powerful and the poor, from members of parliament, <clears throat> government officials with the Indian government, educators at the universities, and then also uh, with the really the extremely poor. And uh, uh, Christianity is not, uh, followers of Jesus are not the minority, are not the majority in India. So many times it's very small units. And quite frankly, uh, you do overwhelm me. This morning I found myself uh, just like, it's like overwhelming to be here. And what I just tell you, what is ordinary for you as my friends and brothers and sisters uh, it's not ordinary everywhere. We have lived since 9-1-1-2001. We lived in Asia. We've lived in India now for almost 11 years. And uh, I tell you, the, uh, Jesus has become ever so much more um, real. We come back to the United States 
one month out of every year. So in the last 15 years, we've spent about 15 months approximately in the United States, so you can get the flavor. So to us, what's ordinary to you is, is very unordinary to me. I'm thankful you minister with us. Dave, I want to thank you again. I've come to know this bro. I tell you, there are times when we have needed projects. People have asked us to partner, and we didn't have funds, and we have emailed, and by the time we get up the next morning, on behalf of your congregation, in the groups the decisions have made, and uh, recently, you as a congregation distributed 2,500, 2,500 um, comic books of the story from creation to Jesus. Uh, and that comic book, uh, the government says, the, the Indian government says that the readership for one piece of literature is about 18 to 21 people per one piece of literature. So if you just reduce that down to 10 people per piece, then with 2,500 distri in distribution, that means that you, you yourselves, in your giving, I know it's a simple thing for you guys. You have, you have a time. You, you set aside a time to give. You give a check or you, you give in your offerings, but you also touched some 25,000 people recently through that distribution uh, there in New Delhi. So I thank you. And there are many other people. We had one auto rickshaw driver return to our apartment 45 minutes later because he had read the comic book. And he said, I have heard of Jesus, but I have never, I only knew his name. And he had, in the last 45 minutes, he said, I haven't driven. I went and read, uh, read through this, and he came back to our house. And auto rickshaw drivers never come to your place. And, like, that's not, he, he ventured, and he said, thank you. So what is ordinary to us in Jesus is not ordinary in other places of the world. I thank you. I want you to go with me. If you, have, uh, if you have your Bible on your mobile or if you have, your, uh, if you have paper, uh, let's do this. I want you to turn with me to a couple of passages right now. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17, because we are in University Institute, we are geared around the question, what is the best way to live life on this planet? And as I walk through these this morning, uh, I'm not in that sense going to cover a new ground or something. I, I want to remind you of some things. Uh, you already know this, but, but um, I'm, I am burdened to share this by way of reminder. So notice, here's the precedence here in Scripture. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17. The Apostle Paul <clears throat> has led these people to Jesus, but now he himself is not returning. And so he says, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 4, 17, that is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Interesting. Everywhere in every church, he reminded them 
of the core things that he had taught. So I am taking this direction from the Apostle Paul. And I want to remind you, by the time we leave here today, I want to remind you of a core of things, of where, what are we doing with our life, what does, how does God want us to invest our lives. So from Paul, go to Peter. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. So just before the last book of the Bible, just before few pages in front of the book of Revelation, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Notice, please. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I always intend to remind you of these qualities, though you know them, though you know them, and you've been established uh, in the truth that you have. So he says, I know you know this. I understand that, but he said, I'm going to remind you. So, excuse me, forgive me, uh, I'm going to just remind you, okay, of these things. What does God want us to do with our lives? Do you remember the prophet Micah? Micah 6, verse 8. What does the Lord God require of you, O mankind? So all of humanity. So it doesn't matter if I am uh, from the Czech Republic or from Russia. It's irrelevant at this point whether we're talking about the Philippines or Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Thailand. If it's Peru or Argentina, uh, Mexico, Canada. See, what does he require of you, O mankind? But to do justice, you know the words, don't you? Love mercy and walk humbly before your God. Huh. This is the syllabus of mankind. This is what we are going to be, these are our three projects. This is what we're going to have to turn in when the term is up and when the exam time comes. These three. Do justice. Love mercy, walk humbly. Say them with me. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. One more time. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Now, you see, when the, when the time comes in, in the semester or in the course of study to, to hand in the assignments, you, you can't come with just one and go, uh, wow, here's my assignment. Yeah. And, you know, the teacher takes it or the professor, they take it and they go, well, thank you very much. Um, the other two, there were three uh, in the assignments on the syllabus. Well, well, yeah, I know, but you see, I just, I, I, it's, it's like, it's just not really me <laughs> to, to do that, you see. Yeah. So I just, man, this one really expresses, you know, who I am as <laughs> a Oh, well, well, thank you very much. But uh, there were three, you know, and what about this one? Well, I, I'm, 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 I, that's just, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, but, but I just do, you, you follow me? So you see, you can't say, well, I'm going to really just walk faithfully. I, well, do that. Walk faithfully before God. Walk humbly before God. But also you need to, 
love, mercy. And you may say, well, you know, I just don't get into those areas of like justice and I don't, that's somebody else's. Whoa, 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 whoa. What does the Lord God require of you, oh, humanity? Every person. But to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. That's what the Lord requires. Well, our church just kind of doesn't do that. Or, you know, there was a one generation that they were just always talking about this and everything, but, you know, I kind of did. No, 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 don't talk to me about generations. Don't talk to me about churches, organizations. What does the Lord God require of all of us? Now, here's the question. Where does the Lord Jesus quote Micah? Hmm? Where does Jesus quote Micah? Where's the reference? Anybody? Whoa, dude. You are there. Did you hear this? Anyone out? Is there another place? Anywhere? We got Matthew. Luke. Anybody got a, got a John? Anybody give me a John? Give me a John. I got a Mark. You know. Anybody? I got a, I'm going. Matthew's going once. Matthew's going twice. That's I hear. 2323. Say it with me. 2323. Again, 2323. <clears throat> Remember this. 2323. Matthew 2323. Thank you, brother. Let's go there. Let's go there. Matthew 2323. An incredible. You know, I have to ask it, bro, did you know that? Or had you had I shared that and you remember that? You already knew that, didn't you? You have it written down. He's got it right there. You're the man. So, Matthew 23, 23. Look at what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Rather confrontive hypocrites. For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin. These are all small seeds. In, in uh, India, we call cumin uh, zira. And uh, I like them on an omelet. I do a two-egg omelet, no yolks, and uh, an, an onion and chili peppers and zira seeds. I know it's a little weird, but that's, it's very fine. <laughs> it's very fine. And uh, one omelet, one piece of toast, one cup of coffee, that's breakfast every day. So... And, Kim by our house, man. He does an awesome job. So there we are. So zero seeds, just cumin. You tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the Bible. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Notice here that the Lord Jesus gives the summary of Micah 6, 8. So this is the deep thing, the weighty thing of the Bible. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Now, if Micah says do justice and the Lord Jesus says justice, match. Love mercy, Jesus says mercy. Micah says walk humbly and Jesus says faithfulness. This is important. 
He does not, he actually could have chosen a different word that said faith. But he doesn't say faith, he says faithfulness. Now, here's the significance. That word, faithfulness, could be used of physical things. So think of this for a minute. If you have a physical thing like a step, okay? If, if this step, the wood has integrity within it and it's solid, then when you step on it, it is solid. And you can, it'll bear weight. But if, if termites have come, So if the termites have come and eaten out the inside, and have you ever had termites? Sometimes termites, you know, they don't like the light. And if they eat and their heads pop up, boop, they'll actually, they'll take some and it, they'll like stick it in the hole, right? So that kind of like deceives you, right? But if you come along and now then you step on this step where the termite is and you fall, huh? a Jewish rabbi would look at that step and he would curse it and he would say, you, you unfaithful step. So the negative of what Jesus says, you unfaithful, you have, you have no substance, you deceived me, you lied to me, you were not a faithful step. So when Jesus uses this, it's an awesome, it's a really wonderful word. You need to be faithful. Be a person of integrity. Walk humbly. Incorporate God's word into our life. So these three. The question. Did the early church find any need to alter this? Did they do something different? Should we be involved with really more, more deep and different things? We don't need to just stick with that, this, those little, huh, Look at this with the Apostle Paul. And for memory, just think, if I look at where Paul is looking at the same thing, just think one, two, three. It's as simple as one, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Turn there if you would. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Verses 2 and 3. Here's the significance of this passage. For one thing, this is one of the first letters that the Apostle Paul writes. So in the Christian church, this is one of the first things written. Actually, the Gospels were spoken uh, and passed on from story person telling the stories until even after the epistles were written. So the, the, the story of Jesus came first, but they didn't write it down until later. So in 1 Thessalonians, we have one of the first instances of an apostle ever writing to a Christian church, a congregation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering. This is why I'm stressing this, to remind you today. I come only to remind you what you already know. But may God really rivet these things into our spirit and into our heart. Remembering before God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
these three things. Notice this. Your work of faith. Now, you can see the match, right? What Paul does is he flips the order. Micah and Jesus start with justice, justice, mercy, do mercy, uh, love mercy, mercy, walk humbly, and faithfulness. The Apostle Paul flips the order because this is the way we usually experience them when we become a Christian, become a follower of Jesus. So first, he says, I remember your work of faith, then your labor of love, the mercy, and then steadfastness and hope. Your work of faith. When you began to be energized, and the word is the word from, from which we get energy in English. When you, you're the energization of you by faith. You are doing things and walking in a way that you didn't walk before you came to Jesus. Before Jesus, we live our own life. Okay? We make decisions by our standards, which are not always the standards of God. That's why he says we must put aside some things. When Paul says to the first reader, he said, you must put aside some things and put on new things. And one of the first things is sexual immorality. Are you, are you in bed with someone you shouldn't be in bed with? Are you sleeping with someone you shouldn't be sleeping with? Impurity, are you thinking about that? Are you greedy? He says, put, put, put filthy and foul language out of your mouth. All around the world, every culture has dirty language. And you have to put that aside. So he says, I pray for the energizing of, your, of your, your faith, which has energized you, your work of faith. And then he says, I pray also for your, uh, for your labor of love. I really like that. The word labor is a word that means you work until you sweat. Okay? And as you're well aware, sometimes to love some people, you got to really work at it, and it causes you to sweat. Uh, uh, but we have projects that deal with mercy around the world, educational projects for children. Uh, you are working with us in a, a poor, poor camp, our June camp. The children of this congregation raised, and I'm, I want to tell you again to this day, it is a mind blower. Your children raised, badgered you as moms and dads and friends and grandfathers and grandmothers. They raised 13 $15,000 and gave it to poor children in Delhi. No running water, no toilets in any home, no school at all for the 5,000 families that live in our June camp. There are now 73 children every day in school uh, in our June camp because of your partnership in giving. Love mercy. Love mercy. The labor of love. And I want you to know, if you ever wonder, can God use you to touch the lives of others, all you got to do is, to, like here, the labor of love. Just, here's your check. Can God use my life? <laughs> can you sweat? Huh? It's, I, I know this is a deep theological truth, right? I mean, you you got you to stick with me here. Yeah. This is very complicated theological understandings. So everybody right now, just, just check. Can God use you? Come on, check. Come on, bro. Woo. He can really use you. Uh, Are you with me? Are you with me? So the labor of love. Do to others. 
not the way they do to you, but as the way you wish others would. Do to others the way you wish others would do to you. If you were in that situation, if you're in that problem, how would you want others to treat you? Then you treat them that way. Some children have come to Jesus, but I want you to know something. Some have not. There were 10 lepers that the Lord Jesus healed. Only one came back and said, thank you, Jesus. But you give freely because you love mercy. You give, and the children are benefited when they have the education. Not all come to Jesus, but I want you to know there are those who come to Jesus because of the deeds and the mercy of God's love. Does that make sense? And then the other is to do justice. Now, that's interesting. Faith, faithfulness, walk humbly, love, mercy, love, mercy. When you come to hope, you can see Jesus says justice. Micah says do justice. So where does hope fit? Here's how it fits. We have the hope of the kingdom of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth at this place, in this village, in this city, in this county, in this district. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why when we see injustice and wrong that is done, we begin to pray for others and intercede and begin to work towards this. And sometimes projects of justice may take 20 years, may take 40 years. Linda and I have dedicated ourselves to work towards the benefit of the girl child in India because the injustices against girls and women is strong and so we stand with that you will not always be successful but you stand so that the system can be changed and that's why he said i pray for your steadfastness sometimes uh, bible scholars call these passages the the persecution passages because christians were persecuted for just doing what was right and and asking and praying for the right to come. Does that make sense? So here's what he has. <clears throat> Faith, love, and hope. Faithfulness, mercy, justice. Uh, I want you to go to one other passage. One other passage. We do that. 1313. Say it with me. 1313. Again. 1313. All right. 1 Corinthians... 13, 13. It's the love chapter. Huh? 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But I want you to especially notice this. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul is making a summary. And he says, so now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. No, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It says, so now, faith, love, and hope abide these 36. <laughs> no, 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 not these 36. These 23. Aha. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Huh? These 
47. Do you see what I'm saying? Faith, hope, and love abide. These three. In the early church, Paul could refer to these three. And they knew because this is what he taught in every church, in every place. He had a theme. He had a summary. He had it so that he could catch it and he could go with it every day. It's the way he prayed for people. If you just ask him to pray, if he was out in Thessalonica, he prayed for their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope. And if he was in prison in Colossae, and he had never seen the new converts, he said, you have not seen my face. And I have not seen yours. Epaphroditus has told me. He has come to the prison and told me. But from the first day, from the first day I heard of your faith in Jesus, I have prayed for your faith and your love, your hope, the, the faith, and the lo faith and love, the faith and love that you have because of the hope that is within you. That's how he prayed for people. These three. So here's the way I see it. Every day, we are to be witnesses for God. Now, Jesus did not say, you are my attorneys. And I'm just telling you, some people seem to think that, that Jesus, you are my attorneys. You're not his attorneys. The Holy Spirit is the attorney. He is the advocate that we have before the Father. What you do is witness. A witness just tells what they know. Usually, I, I have found that by, if Monday and Tuesday, I can talk about what happened on the weekend. You know, on the weekend, you wouldn't believe this. I heard this guy from India, and uh, you know, he said some things that was really interesting. He said that there were just like three things that I really need to concentrate on in my life, and I've really been thinking about that. You can just leave it right there. Well, what did he say? What are the three? <laughs> See, I call that spiritual potato chips, you know. Yeah. You can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink, but you can feed them salt, right? So you just put out enough, and you'll... Yeah. Right? Really three. Yeah, these three I've been really thinking about because that's what I need to invest my life in, and it's really helped me. Well, what are they? Oh, okay, well, that's faith. Love See what I mean? Just, just, you just give your testimony. Just tell people what's happening in your life. Maybe you're struggling with some things, maybe some problems. Tell people, I'm praying about this. I have some things that are, are troubling me, and I'm just praying. Just tell what's happening. You're a witness. We are witnesses. So we're to give the message, okay? We're to walk humbly before God. And we are to be involved, energized by the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we witness this as a messenger, as the message, you would give the message. But let's say the person says, you know what, I don't want to talk about that. I mean, you're a nice person and everything, so you keep on being a friend with the person. They're not interested in the message, but they're open to you, the messenger. Then you just serve that person. You love them and you serve them. Uh, you can, I mean, think of them and how you would want to be treated, look at needs in their life, so if it's a friendship, do that. Uh, have them join with your friends. Go things. Invite to, again, sports things. Uh, if it's people that have certain needs, uh, educational needs, medical, different things as we do in projects and everything, but you are serving people, okay? So in that, we become not just friendly, we become friendful. We, we, we really are the kind of person to serve others. 
so the, the messenger. But let's say the person we find, for example, in India, there are people that are just like, I'm not, I don't know, you know, is what is happening. So then you, if, if they're not open to the message, nor even to you, or there's suspicion about you as the messenger, then just find the mess in their life. The mess. The area where wrong has been done to that person or their family or their ethnic or their religious group. Does that make sense? So you stand in the mess. Let me give you an example. Um, there was a woman. Uh, this was in the newspapers. And uh, Linda read it first. And she called me. She said, Tom, have you seen this? I, I hadn't seen it. She said, look at this article. And she read to me. There was a woman that had been elected to be Panchayat uh, leader. Now, Panchayat is like the village, um, well, you couldn't call it city council, but it's the council that kind of deals with the affairs of the village. So she was Panchayat leader. She was an, an untouchable before this would not have happened. So with the, with the, the uh, global world breaking into India, it has fractured the caste system enough to where before untouchable people even live in a different they live a half a kilometer or so away from the village where all the other people live. But now then, even an untouchable can be so a panchayat leader. She was panchayat leader. The next day, a man came to her. He, he was a high caste person. He was a Brahmin. And uh, the paper said that he came with three men. They demanded the money because he was asking for a bribe. And she refused again, so they beat her. Her son came to her rescue. They beat him. And then they stripped that woman naked. And they paraded her through her own village for three hours naked. And Linda told me, she said, you know, Tom, she said, you can't understand this. She said, I know you, I, I love you, honeydew, and you, you're, you're, you're a great guy and everything, but you can't. You can't understand this as a woman. And she says, I'm telling you as a woman, this is horrible. And she said, but now that I've lived in Asia for seven, it's been about seven, eight years. So now that I've lived in Asia for about seven, she said, I don't understand even why this woman has not committed suicide in a shame culture. And here, I don't understand why she hasn't just taken her life. And then Linda said something. She said, Tom, we have to do something about this. Now, you got to know my honeydew. I mean, she's like, she's from, she's from Maine, Portland, Maine, right? We call her our family maniac. <laughs> a, little, a little family joke here. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So, 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 so she's real nice and, and kind of like level and everything. Uh, she's a Northeasterner and everything. But, but when she says, we have to do something about this, honey, that, I know what that means. Yeah, yeah, we... Yeah, we have to. So then we got busy on this, right? No, it really was a very stirring thing. And it was a disturbing thing. So we just talked with our friends and other Indian friends. This was in national news. This was really a stir. So what happened is in talking, there was a man, a Hindu man, who had been elected from that state, Madhya Pradesh. He had been elected to parliament. Then he was corrupt and everything, and charges were made, and he spent seven years in prison. While he was in an in a, in a Indian prison, he came to faith in Jesus through the witness of others. Okay. Now then, 
he is still in the, the Hindu community, but he is a follower of Jesus. He's working through issues in his life. But the, the consensus of these men was he would go and take the papers because there's a legal thing that if you do a protest, the papers have to be delivered like to the county seat or something like that in the district thing. So he was going, he said he would take a, a car and he would go there to her village and then drive uh, the 70 or more kilometers into uh, Bhopal there to do the thing. So um, the consensus of the men was, no, don't drive, walk. Now, I would have thought that he would have said, no, no, but as soon as they said that, he went, that's right, I'll walk. So this man, and it became a thing in the newspapers, he went to this village, and then he walked, and he would walk 10, 15 kilometers per day. And it took him seven days to walk with now he's about four kilometers outside of where the event's going to happen. They were going to do a rally, a public rally, and then he was going to present the papers to the court. So we meet that morning. It's a nice morning in the summer. It's about 104, 106 degrees and very fine. And um, so we start the march. And there were others. That, so I'm, I was one of the older uh, participants and uh, so we're going and, and uh, there were Indian friends who were saying uh, Dr. Tom I'm telling you you're, you're quite elderly and I, I want to slap you dude I mean like back off right so but it's like you're very elderly and you're going to perish I'm telling you it's very hot you'll perish and of course I didn't want to perish <laughs> and so they said, you, you, you need to you, you please you will get into the automobile you drive in we'll come there we'll be there in a few hours you just you please you go so eventually they were really concerned so I, I, I went on in the, the rally starts it's about 9,000 people there are police taking pictures there's tension uh, in the communities because this is a caste issue between communities as well as just a personal and so I was one of the people on the platform. They invited me as a guest. And uh, I told my friend, I don't know, man. Uh, this is really tense, more than I've seen in other. He said, I said, should I maybe get off the platform? And because I was a foreigner, and he said, uh, if you wouldn't mind, perhaps. So I got off. I'm in a car over to the side, the, the event's going on. And then one of the men said, they're calling your name. They want you to speak. So I went up on the platform, and they wanted me to speak. I addressed the crowd, and boy, this just, I, I tell you, it, and I'm, like, it might just seem like I'm saying it was an event. I'm telling you, it was a very stirring thing. This woman had come fully clothed. She is on the platform, okay? And uh, I shared there, uh, you need to elect officials that will stand for justice and, uh, you know, I stand with her on this. This is wrong. These things should be changed in the laws and in the system and protection. So it's all this. And people applauded. The translator, was he was doing a great job. I mean, it's over and everything. So by this time, it's, it, it become late afternoon. And uh, they agreed. We, we went to a bar. So now there are only nine of us as Christians. There were some 40 people that eventually organized this thing. And... Uh, Several men said, this is the first time you realize that Christians are only 2% in India. Okay, so you have a 98% chance to sometimes not meet a Christian, right? 98. So we went to this bar, all these Hindu men, 
and they're drinking Kingfisher beer. Now, Kingfisher is the Indian equivalent of Budweiser, okay? But they, they're in really big bottles, right? And everything. So everyone is doing Kingfisher when this little out-of-the-way poor bar. And uh, I'm drinking my Diet Coke. <laughs> Diet Coke. And uh, we're there, and one of the men says, uh, Dr. Tom, what you did today, you can't do that as a foreigner. Uh, for you to participate in a political event, you could lose your visa for this. Had you thought of this? You th are, you th are you aware? And I said, yes, I was actually aware. He said, so you may not be allowed to return to India for today. You know? And I said, yes, I do know. He says, so why? Why would you do this? We have talked. The men have said, why did he do this? I said, if I'm honest with you, I love India. I live here. But much of the system of life in India, I don't like. It's not right. And the men are going, mm, mm, mm. So I said, I ask you a question. Wasn't it right to stand with this woman for what had been done against her? And he goes, and he actually used a word uh, that indicates that you may not be prosperous after death, but you may be. He said, you don't right. He said, you're right, but he put a little adjective in front of you. Damn right. And so I said, uh, I have three sons. I have a granddaughter, Umiko. I said, if I go back to the States and my visa is revoked because I stood on behalf of a woman who was stripped naked and paraded in her own village for three hours... If my sons have to say my father could not return to India because he stood for a woman that was stripped naked. If my granddaughter says Papa Tom could not go back to India because he, he stood with a woman with injustice and wrong that was done to her. Wouldn't that be an honorable thing? Wouldn't it be honorable that I couldn't come back to India? And that Hindu man in that bar where the kingfisher was flowing, he hit the top of the, of, of, of the, of the bar. He hit it, and he put the word God, and he put the word damn together. And he said, that's mm, good. That's mm, good. And you know, at that moment, I felt like the man was trying to say amen. I, I think I, mean, I don't know. I, 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 that's not what he said. Okay, he, he didn't say amen, but 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 he said that that's mm, good. That's mm, damn good. Boom, and he hit the bar, and and the beer bottles jump. He has never been in a Christian church. He has never had a Christian sit on the platform with him. He has never heard a Christian stand. For a, a nobody, a nobody, a nobody. 
And he'd never seen a foreigner venture that maybe they'll have their business visa revoked. But something inside that man, he's never read the Bible. He doesn't have a Bible. He's never been to church. But something in his heart is written in his heart. And in Matra Pradesh, he can say, that's what, what they did to that woman was wrong and what you did was right. For what does the Lord God require of us but to do justice? And we might not always win, but you do justice now. And a coming generation will hear and see and follow and gain strength. We are never guaranteed to be successful. We are told to stand. <laughs> so he said, so why did you do this? And I said, well, it's a spiritual reason. He said, well, this is very good. Tell us. I said, well, I don't want to be controversial. or No, controversy. That means controversy. Controversy. I said, but it's, it's about Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's very good. So I said, well, many years ago, uh, for, to my great, 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 great grandfather in the Black Forest of Germany, a man came onto the property and told our family good news about Jesus, and it changed our family. And on behalf of my family, I have come to share with your families the good news and change that Jesus brings. And this man was kind of on a roll, so he used that same favorite word again. He said, that's mm, good. <laughs> I'd never heard a person respond to words about Jesus. <laughs> well, good, thank you. You see, because of standing with him in the mess, he was more open to me, the messenger, and he wanted to know about the message. For what does the Lord God require of us? But to do justice, to hug mercy, to treat people, we are to love mercy, and we are to walk humbly before our God. These three do not make it complicated. Hear me. These three. These three will abide. Faith, love, and hope. And the greatest of these is love. These three. I'm only reminding you. These three.